Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon. After a uh, holiday respite, I hope everyone is back and uh, and happy and healthy and uh, relaxed and had a wonderful time. Um, it is great to be back um, after a couple of days off myself and uh, away we go on this Tuesday, July 5th the year 2022. I don't know if it is where you are, but it is pouring down rain where I am. Um, So sit back and relax. We are here for the next two hours. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also in Lake Charles on 1041. Of course, we are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, my goodness gracious, everybody that was all worried and concerned about Brian Kelly and his recruiting and how the top three players in the state are all going elsewhere. One to Alabama, one to Texas, another one here, and they two of them to Texas. Well, um, a major recruiting weekend. We reached a high point yesterday afternoon with three commitments that I think really changed the tone around the direction of the 2023 class. The day started with simultaneous announcements by four-star defensive lineman Darren Reed and three-star cornerback Ashton Stamps. Less than three hours later, four-star defensive lineman Deshaun Womack joined the group. This gave LSU 11 commitments so far in this cycle. Nine of them are four-star recruits. With the additions, the class ranking jumped from number 37 to number 15 nationally by the end of the 4th of July, according to 247 Sports. Uh, Quite a successful weekend for defensive line coach Jamar Kane. Uh, Without any top defensive lineman in Louisiana this cycle and in his first year, Kane targeted players that he began recruiting at Oklahoma. His national approach brought four of LSU's six highest rated prospects so far. So um, pretty good. It all started July 1st, four-star Minneapolis edge rusher Jackson Howard the number 96 overall player in the country, according to one service, uh, LSU's highest-rated recruit thus far. Then four-star Indianapolis edge rusher Joshua Mickens committed two days later. 
Then it was read. Then it was stamps on Monday afternoon. And on we go. So 11 in the books. Uh, and that um, makes you feel a little bit better, right? A little bit better. While we were away, um, Zion Williamson, who said back in April he couldn't sign a contract extension with the New Orleans Pelicans fast enough. Well, on Saturday, less than 48 hours after the window to sign an extension opened, Williamson agreed to a five-year deal that could keep him in a Pels uniform through the 27-28 season. The deal is worth $193 million with escalators that will allow Williamson to make up to $231 million. Let, let me do the math on that. Two, let's see, I got my phone with my calculator. 231 divided by five equals $46.2 million a year. Now, remember, before he signed that contract, he already had $100 million in... Um, endorsement deals set up so uh zion yeah yeah he's averaged 25.7 points on 60.1 percent shooting seven rebounds in the 85 games he's appeared in since the pell selected him number one overall in 2019 uh hearing an all-star nod in his second season but his first and third seasons were well, defined by injuries, right? He tore that lateral meniscus in his right knee before his rookie year, which kept him out for 44 games, and he didn't play at all last season because of his right foot fracture. So, during Williamson's time in New Orleans, Pels fired Alvin Gentry, hired Stan Van Gundy in an eight-month span, got rid of Stan Van Gundy, the worst hire ever, and now they got their best hire, in Willie Green. So um, this ends all the speculation from the national media about Williamson not wanting to be in New Orleans. It just does. Um, so let's dance. We will talk with Christian Clark here in a few minutes um, to see what kind of parameters are in the uh, contract and also talk about Summer League as not only will Dyson Daniels and EJ uh, play in it, but so will Jose Alvarado. So will Trey Murphy. Uh, it'll be a very interesting uh, summer league for for the Pelicans. So um, that's good news. Good news. The Pels have. Oh, let's see. Um, they got some some money. Uh, they're they're three point four million below the luxury tax. They have six point five million in tax, veterans minimum, and trades available. And a lot of talk about, oh, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant to New Orleans, please. No, not going to happen. Don't want it to happen. I like the roster as it exists. Yes, Kevin Durant is a phenomenal basketball player. But the Pelicans don't need him, don't want him. Let's stick with this group and let's see what they can do. Although the Pels do have a lot of draft picks, uh, would they be willing to trade Brandon Ingram and a Jackson Hayes and Avante Graham and, and a whole bunch of draft picks uh, to get Kevin Durant. Well, never say never, right? Never say never, but eh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, the race 
is on for the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 as they scramble amid this chaotic landscape of college football. It's the SEC, and it's the Big 10, and it's two heavyweights going after it. Which one looks better? We'll discuss all of this, and what's what's Notre Dame going to do? That's going to be the linchpin to take one conference ahead of the other conference. Plain and simple. Notre Dame is extremely, extremely powerful in so many ways. Blake Topmeyer, who covers the SEC for USA Today, we'll talk about what is the next move for the SEC. Or do they stay pat and just wait for Texas and Oklahoma to come on board and stand pat? Or do they get ahead of the Big Ten again? We'll talk to Blake about all of that. And then um, in hour number two, it's a Tuesday. Bob Rose will join us as we talk about key position battles for the New Orleans Saints. They have they are extremely talented across the board. But there are some position battles up for grabs and roster spots certainly up for grabs. Wide receiver position, first and foremost. You know who the three starters are going to be. Who are the backups? Who are those other? Do they carry six wide receivers? Do they only carry five? Uh, Bob Rose will go over all of that and much, much more. So um, we're brought to you on a Monday by ShopRite Tobacco. Not a Monday. It's a Tuesday. By ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. There are, you know, 60 of them in Southern and Central Louisiana. And... Man, they do such a great job. Uh, their, their stores are packed with Louisiana products, spacious. They've got the cleanest, most friendly restrooms that you could ever imagine. You can eat off the floors. Believe me, it's always clean. So whether you need hot coffee, a cold soft drink, knickknacks, hot food, it's available for you. 24 7 365 at ShopRite. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, well, I'm just telling you, you can't shop right at all. Back into it, pouring down rain. It's the fifth day of July. I hope the fireworks where you were were spectacular. I really do. Um, and I hope everybody had a wonderful time. Hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever. And uh, as we celebrate uh, the greatest country in the world, by far the greatest country in the world, we're so fortunate that we are where we are. Um, man, we are so fortunate. So it's 12 minutes and some change, 13 minutes after the hour. We'll get the show rolling. Christian Clark of um, NOLA.com. Will join us and we'll talk all things Pelicans, NBA, big day. It kind of, no, no fireworks. It was kind of a no brainer. Zion said he wanted it. Pels wanted it. Got it done. Bingo. We'll be right back. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. 
Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back at 16 minutes after the hour. We welcome in from NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, Christian Clark, who covers the New Orleans Pelicans on a daily basis and uh, with free agency in and in, in, in full swing and um, the players able to sign their contract extensions. It kind of came in uh, quietly and left even more quietly, but Zion is locked in, Christian. So um, if you're a Pels fan, uh, hallelujah, right? How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing great. And, uh, hey, as, as someone who has a week-long vacation overseas planned in August, I'm, I'm as happy as anybody that this deal <laughs> got done quickly. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I know the dollar figure, it's, it's astronomical with, with some escalators. If he makes an all-NBA team, all-defensive team, whatever, up to $231 million. Any, any more details to the contract that we are aware of? So I haven't been able to get my hands on it, and uh, it's interesting. People are they're playing this one pretty close to the vest. Uh, people okay. don't really want the details to come out. Uh, but from what I've been told, um, yeah, I think there are you know some some incentives in there in terms of you know, Zion's going to have to you know play a certain amount of games, okay. um, minutes in in order to get all of that money. But you know, my kind of takeaway on this deal is that. There's kind of incentives both ways. I mean, I think, you know, the team is going to have some that, that are potentially beneficial to him, but I, I think it was a big question mark whether Zion would get the designated player um, extension. And what that means is, you know, as you just alluded to, if he's named All-NBA, wins MVP, or Defensive Player of the Year next year, the amount of money he can make in the, the following five years of that contract goes from 25% of the salary cap up to 30%. Wow. Wow. Um, that's big dollars, uh, and that is incentive for both parties. No question, uh, no question about this. Um, some people will ask, okay, why did it take 48 hours? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's done, right? So some people will always try to find, oh, worry, was there, was there trepidation here or there? So what, what, how do you answer that one? I mean, I think if you've been paying attention, it was clear for weeks that they were going to be able to get something done. I mean, right. you know, Lee Anderson, Zion's stepdad, and, and Zion, they've been at the Dryads YMCA, you know, basically putting on a basketball camp for local children. You know, mm-hmm. Lee Anderson, who I think has, over the years, not been happy with a lot of the things Pelican's done, said he considers New Orleans our city two weeks ago. So, I mean, it was it was clear that something yeah. was going to get done this offseason. I mean, it was just... It's too much money for Zion to pass up, considering he's a guy who's only played 85 games in three years. And if you're the Pelicans, I mean, you know, he's a once-in-a-lifetime talent if you're healthy. So I think both sides are motivated to get it done. I think he turns 22 years old tomorrow. So, um, uh, hello. Uh, nice little birthday present there as we continue with Christian Clark. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Pels are practicing a little bit. They've got a little summer league team going uh, I like that Jose Alvarado's playing it. I like that Trey Murphy's playing on the team. The more reps you can get those guys, uh, the better, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to be a pretty nice squad. I mean, I think yes. Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, and Najee Marshall, those guys will 
will probably play two games uh, and then they'll sit. You know, there's going to be five games total. Right. Um, but I think they got a pretty interesting summer league roster outside of those guys. I mean, we're going to get a look at Dyson Daniels. I think he's mm-hmm. going to play a lot of different positions. We're going to get a look at DJ Liddell. They got this kid, John Butler, you know, seven foot one kid who played at Florida State last year who could really shoot the ball. A lot of huh. other question marks about his game. Uh, I think the two way guy, Darian Sebron, you know, six foot seven kind of ball handling guard basically um he's an interesting player um so i mean especially those first two games they're they should be you know pretty excited to watch if you're uh if you're into that sort of thing that's right uh and i think i think people will be i, I think it's uh I, I think it'll be fun to see what's going on now they've got 15 players under contract so somebody's gonna have to to move right uh something's gonna have to be done so that you can uh, sign your your rookies. Um, where do you think where do you think the Pels go with this? So yeah, they've got fourteen uh, guaranteed contracts. Um, if you don't count Dyson Daniels and if you don't count EJ Liddell, right. um, you know I think they've explored moving Devontae Graham this offseason. I don't know whether that will happen. I think Jackson Hayes is another name to watch, but. I think it's entirely plausible they, that they just go into training camp with this roster as is, and, and you know they'll sign Dyson and make him the fifteenth man. And you know I think there's a, definitely a chance that E.G. Liddell is is playing on a two way contract this upcoming season. So yeah, I mean there's there's a chance okay. that nothing changes basically between now and the start of training camp. Wow. Um, so I think the starting lineup is already set, right? With Zion, McCullum, Ingram. Jones and Valanciunas, right? And then you've got uh, Alvarado backing them up, Daniels, Nance. Um, if you keep everybody, then that's Jackson. I don't know how you get minutes for everybody, and uh, that's something that uh, is going to be very, very interesting uh, down the road. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, I think part of the reason why Jackson Hayes is a name to watch, so he's he's going into the last year of his rookie deal. I mean, they, they could extend him this summer. I think it's pretty unlikely. But, like, if you're Jackson Hayes, you're, you're looking at this like, well, hey, look, I was pretty good as a starter at Power Forward last year. You know, I, I played a role in this team going to the right. playoffs. Um, you know, what minutes are for me there now that now that Zion is back and healthy? Um, I think people on his side feel like he's a power forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, I think the minutes and him kind of going into a contract year are, are reasons why to just, you know, keep an eye on him. I think Devontae Graham's got to be thinking the same thing too, right? Because you got uh, McCullum, um, Dyson Daniels, I mean, first round pick, eighth pick overall, going to play him. So now he's basically the third shooting guard. He's got to be wondering as well, what uh, what's what's going on with me? Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I think he's under contract for, you know, including next season three more years, I believe, too. Um, I mean, I think that's a great question. I mean, Jose Alvarado was kind of clearly the superior option at, at backup point guard towards the end of last season. And, you know, they tried playing together a little bit. Um, it's probably not enough size to play them together, frankly. Um but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a crunch, and and you got Kyra Lewis Jr. you know coming back from that torn ACL yeah. this year as well. That's that's a, a dilemma that has very rarely happened for an NBA franchise in New Orleans, where you have depth and quality depth. And of course, <laughs> this could all go down the uh, the drain when the Pelicans acquire K 
Kevin Durant, right? That's going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, Where that is that coming from? <laughs> Jeez, that's going to happen right when you're getting ready to leave for your uh, vacation. You know that. And the Durant thing's going to happen. Crazy. I'm, I'm kind of sitting here wondering, like, is he actually going to change teams? Like, is this just going to be a scenario where, you know, Sean Mark says, hey, look, I explored the market. Like, yes. I couldn't find anything. Like, let's just make this work, man. Nobody's going to give Brooklyn what Brooklyn wants for Kevin Durant. And they don't have to. Tra- He's under contract to them. They don't have to trade him. Now, Kyrie, that might be a different story, right? That, that might be something different there. Um, why would you want Kyrie on your team anyway? I know he's talented, but man, what a headache. I mean, part of it seems like, you know, they do, like, they love Kevin Durant. They just don't like having Kyrie Irving on their team anymore. But Kevin Durant wants Kyrie Irving on the team. So that that seems to be, you know, part of the problem. And it doesn't seem like Kyrie has a ton of trade value either. I mean, no. just he just hasn't played a lot of basketball. He's a pretty erratic personality, so... I mean, that's a pickle, but yeah, I mean, if you're the Nets, I mean, obviously, the I think the ideal scenario, uh, short of Kyrie just caring about basketball again, is, you know, keep Kevin Durant, trade Kyrie, get get whatever you can, and right. just roll with that as your team. But I just kind of love the fact that the owner and Sean Marks, who used to play for New Orleans back in the day, um, they just said, wait, what? No, we we run this team. I'm the owner. I, we run this team. You're not going to tell us what to do anymore. And maybe they allowed that in the first place, and that was their biggest mistake. Uh, but it looks like they're not allowing that anymore. So Kevin may want Kyrie, but he doesn't have to have him. He's under contract. He signed, and looks like they're going to put their foot down, if you ask me, because I don't think he's going anywhere. I really don't. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, man, I'm just happy there's no drama this off season. I'm, God. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed a, a drama free off season. Yeah, isn't that what kind of sold Zion? He he came back after the McCullum trade, and this team kind of flipped things around and went a completely different direction. Uh, the chemistry was there. They started playing well together. They made that run, and I think Zion was front row, center stage to see it all. And he was like, man, this is, this is a pretty cool team. This is a fun team. Um, I want to be a part of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, where are you going to go that's better? Because if you if you trade him, you're going to have to give up a ton to get Zion. You know, that's going right. to deplete you. Where are you going to go that's better? I mean, if they get mm. healthy, motivated Zion this year, like, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm predicting it, but, like, they could go to the Western Conference Finals. Like, they have a lot of talent on this roster. A lot of talent. It's all predicated upon healthy, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to go down with the ship on this one. I think the key, the two big keys, one, Zion being healthy, and two, does Trey Murphy make that leap uh, on his game where he becomes that outside shooter that you so desperately need because with his length and his size, man, he can shoot over the top of anybody. Uh, is he going to make that leap and become that um, – that Jordan Poole, the guy that's going to get you 15, 17, 18 points a game coming off the bench. I, I, I think that's the key. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a really important player. Um, you know, I think each of the past two seasons, they finished bottom six in both three-point attempts and three-point percentage. Um, you know, they've taken steps to addressing that, that outside shooting, and they have a lot of offensive talent, um, you know, regardless of if Trey hits or not. But, yeah, I think he's a he's a – Definitely a very important piece this year. 
And then I think it's going to be a challenge. You tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's going to be a challenge for Willie Green because um, last year, you know, Brandon Ingram, anytime you could shoot a dude, shoot it. Cause we, we don't have much else. And then, then McCullum comes and they're kind of splitting a little bit. Now you got a volume score in Zion. So how do you keep Ingram McCullum Zion happy uh, with how the ball is distributed and how the points are distributed? I think that's always, it's always a challenge with coaches in that league. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I think sacrifice will will definitely be important. And you know, it, it seems like ten thousand years ago. But if you think back to Duke Zion, he was not a guy who was dominating the ball. Like he scored True. a lot and efficiently, but a lot of it came on putbacks on like you know, like I'm going to get the ball and take one, two dribbles and score. Right. He was not Good dominating point. the ball. So I guess the hope is that you know he can can he could. There's that version of him, you know, in there still. As long as he puts up the right numbers, and if he shoots at 60 65%, he'll get his numbers. And then, because he wants those escalators to kick in, and why wouldn't he? Uh, 40-something million a year. Un- unbelievable. Well, I hope it stays quiet. Are you heading to Vegas to uh, to cover this ball club? Yes, sir. Going out there uh, for the first two games. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Christian Clark. Um, uneventful. Let's hope for no drama. Um, and I personally don't want to see Kevin Durant in a Pelicans uniform. Let him stay in Brooklyn, and we'll we'll go to battle with what we've got, and we'll see how far they can go, and then we'll make some changes if we don't go far enough. But that's my thought process. What do you think? Hey, man, I'm I'm with you. Uh, you know, drama free as quiet as off season as possible the rest of the way, please. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you, man. Safe travels to Vegas later on, and uh, have fun covering this ball club. I thank you for your time. Thanks, man. All right, Christian Clark, NOLA.com, the Times, picking, you know, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337 288 8,100. Now, once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you're going to have tons of chances to score other great prizes. You know that. This is the stations that just keep giving and giving and giving. Uh, You can win Astros tickets and more stuff. Uh, It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. So the SEC started things. Now the Big Ten shaking things up even more. What does the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12 do? Pac do? Uh, what do they do? And what's the SEC going to do next? Blake Topmeyer joins us to discuss that and more as we roll on on this Tuesday, July 5th on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
All right, welcome back. 36 minutes after the hour, we welcome in Blake Topmeyer, the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. Of course, I wanted to get his thoughts on um, college football as it's uh, ever-changing. Of course, UCLA, USC, leaving the Pac-12, heading to the Big Ten. You got Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC. I guess the question is, what next and who makes the first move? Uh, Blake, thank you for your time. Hope you had a great fourth, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, Jordy, it's interesting. It's really interesting to see uh, the Big Ten throw this counterpunch to the SEC's <laughs> additions last summer. I mean, I, I don't know that it leapfrogs the Big Ten past the, the SEC by any means, but it is a signal that uh, the Big Ten doesn't intend to be uh, left behind in the dust right. if, if the SEC is going to continue down this path toward creating a, a Super League. Uh, well, it seems pretty clear now that the, uh, the, the Big Ten is, is intent and is mighty enough to, uh, to pull off a Super League of its own. Does the, does the Big Ten and the SEC want to gobble up? The, I think all eyes are, are waiting to see what Notre, Notre Dame is the difference maker, isn't it? Or am I crazy here? Yeah, Notre Dame would be a, a big ad, and and I think their profile and their image and, and what they think they're about and their hubris, um, I, I think it, it matches. It's aligned with the the Big Ten. I think if there there ever was a, a conference that uh, you know could be enough to to make Notre Dame give up its independence, uh, it would seem like the the Big Ten would be it. Of course, no Notre Dame is is in with that. Uh, with that grant of rights deal with the ACC, and I believe that uh, um, you know there's some contractual language that binds Notre Dame to the ACC uh, through 2036. Of course, uh, you know as we all know, com- uh, contracts were in, in some ways made to be broken, and um, you know I, just because that that's out there doesn't mean that uh, you know there couldn't be something done to try to wriggle out of that deal. But uh, it, it certainly, I think, would complicate matters if if Notre Dame is trying to join any conference other than the the ACC but yeah i mean in terms of in terms of schools on your wish list if you were the Big 10 or the SEC i think at this point you know you're not adding just to add just to get bigger they have to be schools that improve you as a conference as a brand um that, that bring quality football to the table and and as we start to look at the the remaining schools left to fight over I think Notre Dame and, and Clemson uh, are probably two schools near the top of that list. I, I just don't know how how sustainable it is for Notre Dame to remain independent and not part of a conference because um, it's just the road to the, the college football playoff uh, it makes it a little bit easier when you're, I think, when you're in a conference because – I just do. I think the Irish who who they play just doesn't uh, doesn't intrigue you anymore. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. We're, they're going somewhere, and I think it's going to go to the Big Ten. Um, but if you're the SEC, what are you thinking now? Because I think if the Big Twelve wants Oregon and Washington, they're going to get them. Who would the SEC want, in your opinion? Well, I think if you can get some of those ACC schools again, it, it, part of that is contingent on how easily they can get out of their grant of rights uh, agreement with the ACC. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the ACC has done well is, you know, unlike the, the Big 12 and the, the Pac-12 with their, their TV contracts uh, dwindling down here and, and leaving these schools up for grabs, the ACC's got that, uh, 
that grant rights deal that's through 2036. But if you can find a way to navigate around that, I think there's some some schools that should intrigue the SEC. You know, the one is uh, starting with with Clemson. I mean, I think you right. you start there. Um, right. Some others that come to mind would be you know North Carolina, potentially Florida State, potentially Miami. The, the one thing with the S- Virginia Tech is another that comes to mind. The one thing with the SEC's expansion, as you think about it, although they went the possible exception of Missouri, you know, the last four ads, when you look at Texas A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma, yes, they expanded the footprint, but they still fit with the brand, with the identity, with the overall geography of football in the South. I mean, you look at the Big Ten now, their conference now sweeps coast to coast from New Jersey to to La La Land, I don't. I mean, these additions undoubtedly of USC and UCLA made the Big Ten better, but I, I don't know that I can tell you what the Big Ten's identity right now is. I think that's one thing about the SEC, even as it's grown. Um, I think they've been smart additions that have meshed with the brand uh, of SEC, in particular SEC football, um, and you haven't created a scenario where. I know these things aren't governed by volleyball and soccer matches, but you haven't created a scenario where you could have conference volleyball, a midweek conference volleyball match where you're going to have to fly from New Jersey to Los Angeles. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, And so I think the SEC, first and foremost, continue, uh, could continue to try to fill in, um, you know, some, some top athletic programs throughout the South. And, and I think a lot of those right now that, that would be appealing to the SEC are housed in the ACC. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Clemson, North Carolina, that sounds that sounds pretty darn good uh, to me. Um, you know, the Big 12's got all these schools coming in, and they're going to be eligible in 2024 uh, to play. Doesn't that speed up the process for Oklahoma and Texas to get into the SEC? Why would, why would the Big 12 want to have that scheduling nightmare that they would have, why don't they just work out a deal and let those two schools get to where they want to be? You don't want them anymore. They don't want you anymore. Doesn't that speed up the process? I don't know that it, I don't know that it does. I mean, I think with the, from the big 12's perspective, um, they're looking to milk all the value that they can out of, out yeah. of Texas and, and Oklahoma. Um, and, and they could get a couple more years out of them. I, I think, you know, for the SEC and for those schools, certainly it would be better um, if, if they could get in the SEC sooner. But I think if that's going to be done, you would almost need a third party like ESPN to step in and say, hey, we don't want to wait around anymore for, for Texas and Oklahoma to start competing in the SEC. We want this as part of as part of the conference that, uh, you know, we own the TV rights for. Yeah. So we're going to step in and, and help kind of broker the broker the deal uh, to get these schools out and, and maybe cover uh, some of those those damage fees. But shy of a third party like that stepping in, you know, with I, th- I think the Big 12 fully wants to hold Texas and, and Oklahoma to its obligations or otherwise make them pay um, – their substantial exit fee uh, to get out of the conference. I mean, I, I don't think the Big 12 want these schools to leave, um, you know, without without getting their payday. Um, yeah. I think they want to hold them to, to that agreement. And, and, you know, just to a certain degree, I say that's, that's just a business move, right? I, I understand yeah. that. Um, but if Oklahoma and Texas don't want to foot that bill – or if True. the SEC doesn't want to step in and, and foot that bill for an early departure, right. then then I think what's left is 
Um, you know, if, if a media partner, if a TV network like ESPN uh, wants to step in and say, hey, let's, gotcha. uh, let's broker a deal here, let's get this done so we can get Texas and Oklahoma competing in the SEC, uh, which is obviously a, a, a linchpin product uh, for, for ESPN. Is the Big 12 on enough solid ground? Look, they raided the AAC. They landed BYU. Do you think there are schools in the the Pac-12? I don't know how many schools are in there anymore, but um, that would possibly want to move to the Big 12? Um, Do you think that's a possibility, inevitability? What do you think? Yeah, I think possibility is a, a good word there. I'm not sure about inevitable, but I think possibility is a, a good one. I think the roles have been reversed here. If you think about a year ago, the Pac-12 in any negotiations with the Big 12 would have had the upper hand. I think now the right. script is flipped. And yeah. as you mentioned, with those four schools added from the AAC, I now think uh, the Big 12 comes at this from, from a steadier footing um, than what the Pac-12 would. So, yes, I think – I think it would be worth the Big 12's effort and, and, and worth, you know, putting the offer out there to see if you could maybe add, you know, your four most appealing schools, uh, from the Pac-12, whether that be, you know, trying to get Colorado back, trying to get Utah or maybe Arizona, mm-hmm. Arizona State. Maybe mm-hmm. if the Big Ten doesn't snap up Washington or Oregon, making a strong play yeah. for them. Now, if you were those schools, uh, from the Pac-12, I don't know if you immediately jump at that offer or if you say, hey, that's something in our back pocket to consider, but let's see if we can we can get a bit a better offer. I mean, I think if you're yeah. Oregon or Washington, uh, best case scenario at this, this point is that the Big Ten uh, decides they don't want to stop at 16 and they don't want uh, UCLA and USC to be their, their outliers there all alone on the West Coast, and, and they go ahead and, and extend the offer to, to Oregon or Washington. I would think yeah. if you're those schools, yeah. um, you jump at that. Uh, yes. But elsewhere in the Pac-12, yes, I, I think if your conference un, is, is continuing to unravel here, uh, and if you're not confident that they're going to stay the course, then, then yes, I think um, you, know, you, you would be interested by, by a possible this- overture from the Big 12. Isn't this all television related? How much money is going to be in the pool to distribute amongst all these teams? Because now without USC and UCLA, just how attractive is the it's the Pac-12 television wise? It sure made the Big Ten a lot more. But who wouldn't want to see USC and Ohio State play, right? Who doesn't want to see uh, Alabama and uh, Texas play? It's all about right. television yeah. money. So, yep. so go ahead. Money in television drives all of this, you know, and, yes. and, and will continue to do so. What's, what's going to be interesting here is are we just left with two super conferences and, and the SEC and, and the Big Ten and everything else is scraps that uh, the TV networks aren't particularly interested in? Mm-hmm. Or – um, can these other conferences, you know, if, if maybe someone emerges as a leader or maybe they just all work together, um, can these other conferences put together something else worthwhile um, that the TV networks would be pretty interested in? You know, mm-hmm. does that look something like a, a Pac-12 or a Big 12 alignment? Or, um, you know, maybe it's not a conference merger, but maybe it's actually an alliance that is, 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 is worth something. We all know the last one was not worth anything between the Pac-12, ACC, uh, and Big Ten, but yeah. maybe the, yeah. the ACC and Pac-12 can work together uh, on some sort of alliance that would appeal 
to the television networks. But yes, that, that that's what drives all of this, and and frankly, that's what's probably uh, been a driving force for every round of of conference realignment that we've had in the last uh, you know two to three decades. In in particular, the, the money drives this, the TV deals drive this, um, and so now if you're in the Big Twelve or uh, you know in the Pac twelve. You got to try to figure something out here that uh, a strengthens your conference and puts yourself on steadier footing, and, and b uh, appeals to the the TV executives that are that are pumping money into your athletic departments. No question, we've been that, talking now for about twelve minutes. Not once have we mentioned what happens to the poor group of five schools. I, I, no television guy. I, I think the only thing to do is, and I've said this for years. Blake Topmeyer covers the the, the SEC for USA Today's network. Why doesn't the group of five host and have their own championship playoff? Don't worry about getting into the, the final four and the power five. That Cincinnati thing is, man, that was great, but it's so rare. Do your own, have your own national championship. You know, have that. Let the group of five do their own deal. Pick your own teams. Go play off and go do it. I, I, don't, I don't see why they wouldn't do something like that. Well, and, and maybe that would be appealing if you don't get a seat at the table in the playoff future. I mean, the group of five was, was very, very close in some respects, I think, to getting what it's wanted in this last round of, of playoff expansion talks. They were on board with the SEC's plan of, you know, a 12-team playoff with six auto bids and six at-large bids. I mean, that would have been uh, a glorious outcome for the yep. group of five. It would have guaranteed yep. them at least one spot in the playoff every year. And, you know, the Pac-12 was among the, the conferences uh, that, that put, the, put the needle in that balloon and popped that idea. And so now there's no guarantee that going forward the, the group of five will have a guaranteed seat at the table uh, in the playoff. We don't even know what a playoff looks like. Is there That's even right. a playoff? Is it just a, uh, the, the SEC yeah. and Big Ten duking it out? So, yes, um, you know, if the group of five isn't going to get a seat at the table, you know, in, in the playoffs future, then sure, I think there there could be an argument uh, for for the group of five trying to host some sort of championship of its own. But it is, you know, how quickly these things change, right? Because it was just right. a few months ago, you know, it felt like maybe a deal could be struck. Um, you know, the, the plan that Greg Sankey and a couple others put forward that would have assured at least one spot for the group right. of five in a 12-team playoff. And, and yeah, just how quickly yeah. things can, can change in a matter of months. Yeah, they don't want to split that money with a group of five school. They, they, they just want to keep it all amongst the big boys. That's how it works. Follow the money, Blake Topmeyer. Thank you as always, man. We'll see. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wild time with, with realignment and how you're going to schedule games and NIL it college football is crazy, man. I'm glad you're smart enough to cover it. I can't figure it all out. I don't know if I want to figure it all out, but thank you for being so smart and coming on our show. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it sure has been entertaining. More, more Whether you like it or not, it's, it's more excitement than we're probably used to in, in, in July. Right. Thanks for having me on, Jordy. All right, buddy. You take care. Blake Topmeyer covers the SEC for the USA Today Network. So, all right, the Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball. You can see them live in person, the game, 103.7 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. 
Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to wrap up our number one, the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you out. Once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, about a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go uh, sign up today. Wimbledon is um, getting down to some serious cases, and Novak Djokovic had to uh, had to work and work really, really hard as he trailed two sets to none to Yannick Sinner from Italy. I uh, rallied back to win the third, fourth, and fifth sets, and now he will face Cam Norrie in one Wimbledon semifinal. So Novak, um, who has won, what, 20 Grand Slam titles, uh, trying to keep up with uh, Rafa Nadal. Uh, so um, got to keep on winning, and uh, and he did. So jo- no- Djokovic, 35 years young, getting it done. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. Bob Rose will join us from the Saints News Network. This is the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, July 5th, the year 2022. I hope you're having a great day. Hope you had a wonderful, wonderful 4th of July celebration. It was good to get away from from work and to enjoy some time with some some friends and family. It's, it's, It's great. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons making sure everything running greatly. And uh, we certainly appreciate that. If you missed our number one of the program, uh, we talked uh, with Christian Clark about the Zion Williamson contract uh, extension and uh, all the drama is over. There was no drama. Uh, The Pelicans wanted to get it done. Zion said he wanted to get it done and get it done. They did. So now everybody around the world can say, Oh, Zion needs to go to New York or needs to go here. he, he doesn't. He's here, um, and that's a good thing, at least through the 27-28 season, so five years from now. So we'll see what can happen between here and there. Uh, in the time being, the Pels are practicing. They've got a very important uh, summer league in Las Vegas where they're hoping that um, a Trey Murphy blossoms and develops and becomes that that outside shooting threat that they want and that they need and that Jose Alvarado continues to play as well as he does. And the two rookies can can show that they have the chops that it takes to 
to play in the NBA and be contributors on this ball club. Meanwhile, LSU did a um, had a great weekend, a great weekend um, with some commitments uh, that uh, that took place on Monday uh, with simultaneous announcements by four-star defensive lineman Darren Reed, three-star from Rummel High School in in New Orleans, cornerback Ashton Stamps. Then less than three hours later, four-star defensive lineman Deshaun Womack joined the group. So um, it was quite a coup for um, defensive line coach Jamar Kane. Um, no top defun- defensive lineman in Louisiana in this recruiting cycle. And in his first year, Kane targeted players he began recruiting when he was at Oklahoma. So his national approach brought four of LSU's six highest-rated prospects so far and you know before the holiday weekend there was a lot a lot of people were like "Mm, brian kelly what's going on with this recruiting arch manning goes to texas eli holstein goes to alabama um the the newman tight end goes to texas another guy goes to texas we're not getting anybody well that kind of eased the the minds of people at this point and time they've had a lot of official visits they've had camps and they believed that multiple recruits would commit this week, and they did. It all started July 1st. Four-star Minneapolis, Minnesota edge rusher Jackson Howard, the number 96 overall player in the country, LSU's highest-rated recruit thus far. Then Indianapolis edge rusher Joshua Mickens committed two days later. Then it was Reed and Stamps that made their announcement at the same time on Monday. Um, And so... Um, now, uh, the LSU's recruiting class has gone from a very high number down to a very workable 15th in the country, uh, according to 247 Sports. And it all ended the, with the momentum building and building. It all ended with um, Womack uh, marking LSU's fifth commitment of the weekend, a 6'2", 255-pound prospect that chose uh, LSU over Oregon. Ole Miss, Georgia, and Maryland. So a Baltimore native. So the trend is for this year, go out of state because we've had many of the recruiting analysts say that this year in state, mm, it's not that great. LSU wasn't uh, wasn't perfect. They missed on four-star cornerback Christian Gray, who knew cornerbacks coach Robert Steeples coached in high school. Uh, but they lost him. That's okay. They're still working, and we'll see how it all uh, develops and unfolds. But right now, uh, not bad. A pretty darn good weekend for LSU now with 11 commitments for the 2023 class. Yes. So can't get them all. You just can't get them all. And we'll see what else happens and who else is committing and all that kind of stuff. So um, uh, Christian Gray, by the way, uh, went to Notre Dame. He was from St. Louis, uh, the four-star cornerback. So can't win them all, but we shall see as we are um, getting closer and closer to uh, the SEC media days later on this month and then the start of fall camp as we are, you know, about uh, 61 days away from the kickoff between LSU and Florida State. Yes. Meanwhile, the Tour de France is going on. 
Joey Chestnut wins the hot dog eating contest. Tell me something that's uh, that's new. Uh, he always does that. Um, and uh, Novak Djokovic survives a five-setter, rallying from two sets down to defeat Yannick Sinner. He'll face Cam Norrie in one of the Wimbledon semifinals. So um, the 35-year-old Djokovic had to dig down deep um, and um, a, a, an 11th semifinal berth at Wimbledon and his 26th consecutive victory at the Grass Court Grand Slam Tournament. He's uh, pretty, he doesn't get the same love that a Roger Federer does or um, Rafa Nadal, but he, he's there and he's there. So um, he's good. He's good. No question. But you can't name five people on the, on the tennis tour that are playing. You just, there's so many new people and so many new names. It's, uh, it's beyond crazy. Uh, Bob Rose will be joining us shortly from the Saints News Network. Uh, and we'll talk all things about the Saints and the NFL. Do you know that the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch? All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. So text GAME to 337-288-8100. It's the Game Text Club. You can find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. And what uh, what sets ShopRite and Tobacco Plus apart from everything out there is um, their availability, their um, their purpose. You know, they, they have spacious stores, uh, and they're dedicated to one simple mission. They love serving the community, and they just want to see you leave with a smile on your face. So whether... Your needs are fresh food, fuel, top shelf wines or spirits, or how about just a quick pit stop? ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets look forward to serving you with their spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products, their modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable, and delicious food that's always fresh and always fast. And they've got, you know, have you become a Buku Rewards member yet? Because if you do, you're going to get awesome deals that are available each and every day. They also have a new Buku Rewards Rewards program, which is uh, along with current daily deals. They've expanded the club where you can continue to save money. Plus, they've added a fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. And who doesn't want that these days? In addition, if you join the new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off every gallon on every fuel purchase. The new additions are here. Just keep an eye out when you're visiting the ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlet for more details. Sign up. It's free, and you save in the store and outside at the pump. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, you just can't shop right at all. 
We'll take our first time out of our number two. When we come back, Bob Rose, big hit here on the show from the Saints News Network. We'll talk all things NFL, all things Houdat, um, after this time out on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros, and we're your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bob Rose, I hope you had a great 4th of July. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Jordy, and happy 4th of July to you and your family. Uh, well, 5th of July now, but I hope right. you guys had a great long weekend. We did. It was fun to get away and turn the phones off and just kind of mm-hmm. relax a little bit. But, all right, let's talk about these Saints a little bit. Um, I don't know. There just seems to be no shortage of Saints looking to make a major comeback yeah. after the 2021 season. I had no idea that an NFL record 58 players started for the Saints last season. Four quarterbacks started games, four different quarterbacks. And how about this? Four different place kickers. That's unheard of. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, even one of those two uh, things can easily derail your season. Uh, but, you know, when when both go so sideways like they did, uh, you know, in hindsight, the Saints had no chance uh, in, in 2021 right. with everything going wrong. And you didn't even mention the offensive line and the fact that that starting five played together for only 22 snaps last season. Oh, my God. That's getting lost on a lot of people, I think. But, yeah, I mean, it, oh, yeah. I didn't what, know. what this team went through was absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, so, I guess, in hindsight, now that we look at it, you know, that provided – some unexpected opportunity for players to, to show themselves, to get on tape, uh, to see what they can do. And maybe it's going to be some extra motivation going into this season. And there should be some dog fights for some position spots. Don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely do. Uh, I, you know, I mean, let, you know, let's look beyond the obvious, you know, Trevor Penning versus James Hurst for the left tackle spot. Uh, you know, who's going to fill out the, the wide receiver uh, mm-hmm. you know, depth, you know, things like that. But a player like Calvin Throckmorton is a great example. I thought Throckmorton played excellent football last year. Yeah. Uh, one of the team's most consistent linemen, in my opinion. Uh, and he would not have gotten a chance to play if not for the mountain of injuries along the offensive line. You know, now all of a sudden you got James Hurst who could play tackle or guard and start at, you know, for most teams at either spot. And you have Throckmorton, who, in my opinion, dist- distinguished himself like a bona fide NFL starter. So if a guy like Cesar Ruiz, a former first round pick, continues to slip up uh, or continues to play below expectations, I'll say. Saints coaches should have zero hesitation in plugging a Throckmorton or a Hurst in there. Uh, and in my opinion, you know, not only continuing the high caliber of play, but perhaps even increasing it. Uh, you know, Ian Book got a shot when a lot of people just thought he was going to ride the bench and watch right. uh, and learn all year. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying Ian Book is a starter by any stretch, uh, but did he exhibit enough? to make the coaches think, all right, this guy can legitimately compete for a long-term backup spot. Right. Uh, you know, in which case is Andy Dalton's job as secure as we all think it is. 
Uh, yeah, it's just those kind of things. You know, right. Shai Tuttle got a lot of you know, a, a lot of starting reps at defensive tackle. Uh, that was a lot of valuable experience for a previously rotational player. Uh, you know, just guys like that. You know, Paulson Adebo started every single game. Uh, you know, lived up to and surpassed expectations of a third round pick. Uh, and uh, you know, perhaps he wouldn't have gotten a shot at so many snaps. Uh, you know, if uh, you know, uh, if he wouldn't have played out, played Bradley Roby, Pete Warner got all that valuable experience because Quan Alexander was nicked yep. up. And yep. I, I mean, those are just a handful of perfect right. examples of what you said. There's some you know, the obvious candidates, Jameis Winston, those important position on the field, Michael Thomas. That That's obvious. But I'm, I'm kind of really curious to see. Taysom Hill and. And now that Sean Payton's gone and that experiment of him playing quarterback, that's that's out the window now. So so what does uh, Pete Carmichael do? Is he going to be just strictly a tight end? Is he going to be the, the Swiss Army knife, go wide receiver, go running back? I, I, I'm very curious to see what this $40 million contract ends up being for one Taysom Hill, who's I think is a tremendous athlete and can help in so many ways. I'm just curious as what way. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, Taysom's got to get healthy. Uh, you know, he's yeah. going to miss the first chunk of training camp. It looks like, uh, you know, dealing with that foot injury, mm. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but outside of that, I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same things that we saw from Taysom Hill previously. I think that you know, Pete Carmichael would be a fool to take him out of the backfield altogether. The okay. guy's just too talented a runner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what I was most impressed about in Taysom Hill throughout his career uh, was his ability to learn how to run pass routes, which we saw in 2019 uh, you know, when uh, when he was very, very effective as a receiver uh, and not just a check down option either. They were running this guy down the field uh, and, and bona fide pass patterns. So, you know, yeah, I. I do not think that Taysom Hill is going to be a, a, a traditional inline tight end. And I know that position massively needs an upgrade, but it's not going to come from Taysom Hill. Taysom's strength is his versatility and his athleticism. And you know, it's on Pete Carmichael. So I'm really excited with you along with you to see what Carmichael does with this whole offense, but what he does with the athleticism of Taysom Hill. A lot of the complaints that we had with Sean Payton in recent years about Taysom was that, you know, how could you have a, an athlete this good on the sidelines? Uh, well, the main answer to that is, well, last year he was nicked up with injury early on. We knew that. But the main answer was he was giving Taysom a chance to learn at quarterback. Well, in my opinion, as coaching one-on-one, you don't take your best athletes off of the field. Right. And now that that quarterback experiment is over, I think we're going to see Taysom in a lot more offensive snaps than we have ever seen previously. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a whole lot of weapons to mix and match and move around. Uh, but Taysom Hill has been a matchup problem for NFL defenses throughout his short career. And I think Pete Carmichael, the onus is on him to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be a lot, a lot out of the backfield. But look for Taysom to be a lot more involved than we've seen, certainly since 2019, as a receiver. Yeah, I still think maybe he's not an every down tight end, but I still think that causes the defense to have to who, who do you put on him? Who right. do you put on him? You know, he's too big and powerful for a safety. I might be too, he's too fast for a linebacker. So what do you do? Um, I, I just like it. The other one um, that I'm interested in, because I haven't seen him play much, but um, right after the Saints lost Marcus Williams in free agency to the 
to the Baltimore Ravens. They made a really quick change and turn and replaced him with Marcus May. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a big difference between those two, or are they very similar, or, or have the Saints in the long run upgraded a little bit? I don't know about upgrade, okay. but I look at I view them as similar prospects. Uh, and Marcus May uh, came into the league as a 2017 draftee, just like Marcus Williams. Uh, I think May was drafted three or four picks ahead of Williams, actually. Uh, and you know, May will give us the same kind of range that Marcus Williams did. Uh, you know, in my opinion, May isn't quite the ball hawk that Williams okay. is. I mean, you know, Williams had just such great ball skills. Uh, but, you know, May has the speed. He's recovering from an Achilles injury, of course. So we're, you know, we're kind of waiting to see if he bounces back to his previous form. Uh, but May has every bit the range that Marcus Williams does. Uh, and actually, it, it will be an upgrade for the Saints secondary over Williams in this way. Marcus Williams, you didn't see him move up into the slot to take on man responsibilities that often. Right. Uh, Marcus May has that ability. He can take on a tight end. He can even take on a third, a number three or a number four wideout uh, in certain man coverage duties. And what that does, that gives an already versatile Saints secondary even more versatility. When you have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Tyron Matthew, and now Marcus May that could play a two-deep alignment, has the athleticism for a single high safety, or any of the three can move into the slot. That's where I think that this defense could ultimately be better with Marcus May over Marcus Williams. And you know I love Marcus Williams. Uh, And like I said, he's not the pure ball hawk that Marcus uh, May isn't the pure ball hawk that Williams was, but he'll give you the same type of range and perhaps even a little bit more versatility. Isn't that where Tyron Matthew comes in? Because there's not a better ball hawk than the honey badger, in my opinion. So just like Sean Payton had to make adjustments to get his best players on the field and do things that highlighted a Taysom Hill, don't you think that uh, Dennis Allen has to do the same thing defensively with May and Matthew um, if and when they are available together uh, and how that will look different than what we had with Malcolm Jenkins and uh, Marcus Williams? Oh, yeah, Jordy. And I think Dennis Allen, uh, Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen would do exactly that. Uh, again, as coaching one on one, you keep your best athletes on the field as often as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, I know a lot of us, myself included, are concerned about linebacker depth, but we're not going to see very many alignments where the Saints are running uh, any more than two linebackers. Two, exactly. Because why would you? you? You know, obviously you have Lattimore and Debo as the outside corner. You don't want to take Chauncey Gardner off, uh, Johnson off the field ever. Uh and now you have May, Matthew, and don't forget about the versatility of PJ Williams. Also, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's a downgrade from May and you know, May and Matthew. There's no doubt, uh, but I think we're going to see Gardner Johnson, Honey Badger, and May move around that defense constantly. Uh, again, any of the three could, uh, has the, uh, the athleticism to play a single high alignment, uh, you know, without losing any of your deep safety range. Uh, you know, you can line them up in two, two high alignments and any right. of the three can line up in slot. They're all upgrades over what Malcolm Jenkins was athleticism, uh, and what Marcus Williams is from a versatility aspect. He is Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. I guess I'm wondering about May. He tore that Achilles that ended his 2021 season. He's got a little um, off off the field issue with a DUI arrest. Um, is he going to be available, or is there a? Susp- and first of all, is 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 he going to heal up 
with his Achilles? And then secondly, is he going to face some suspension time? Well, as far as the Achilles, I haven't heard anything negative about his recovery. So he should be a full go by training camp. Okay. Um, The DUI issue. uh, Yeah, that's another story. I know everybody is waiting to see what happens with Alvin Kamara's court hearing. Uh, You know, we are just as much on pins and needles with Marcus May. Uh, you know, May m- might not be as important a player as Kamara, but I have little doubt he's going to be facing a suspension. Now, Jordy, this DUI arrest happened in February of 2021. It's already had a continuance a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Uh, and May, unless he changes his plea, May reportedly is pleading not guilty, uh, you know, which is you know, sort of unusual for a charge like this. They usually plead a no contest or take a plea deal. Uh, but as you know, the NFL tends to hold off uh, you know, a punishment against players until a court hearing has been decided, for lack right. of a better term. So if, if May sticks to his plea of not guilty, just like with Kamara, this is a hearing that could go into the season mm. uh, and perhaps even be postponed till the end. I don't think it'll come to that. Uh, and if you know, once the once the chips fall where they're probably going to fall, Marcus May will probably be facing a three game suspension. Uh, that's typical under the player conduct policy and the uh, in the agreement between players and owners. Uh, and, you know, this is May's first offense. Uh, and knock on wood, uh, you know, for this sort of infraction. So I don't see him getting any more than a three-game suspension, but it is going to happen. So would P.J. Williams be the uh, the starter at safety, or maybe do they use the the rookie from Tennessee? Is he able to play that position? What do you what happens in his absence? I think if it's a early season suspension to May, we'll probably see P.J. Williams just okay. based off of his experience in the defense. Okay. Uh, you know, but with Alante Taylor, you bring up an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting possibility. Uh, you know, Allen, Dennis Allen has insisted over and over. Taylor's primary duties are going to be as a cornerback, both outside and slot. Okay. Uh, but we also know that they drafted Alante Taylor with the versatility and the athleticism in mind that he's going to bring to the table. So yeah, he might not be a traditional safety, but the saints rarely use these safeties in traditional ways anyway. Yeah. So yeah. if, if Taylor develops quickly and a, a potential may suspension doesn't happen until maybe later in the season, uh, you know, maybe PJ Williams is on the outside looking in as far as reps go. Bob Rose saints news network. Uh, one more before we go to break and that's uh, field goal kicker. Will Lutz. Okay, so we had Aldrick Rosas, who couldn't make field goals. I think he was one for four. Uh, Brian Johnson couldn't make extra points. He was five of eight. Cody Parker injured himself in pregame warmups in his lone game. And then Brett Mayer comes in, who was released in training camp after suffering his own pregame injury, finally gave the team some little semblance of stability at that position. But... um, Will Lutz is critical, critical for this team. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, you could make a strong case for the Saints losing three games last year because of kicking woes. Mm. Uh, and those aren't the kick, kind of kicking woes you have to worry about with Will Lutz. Uh, you know, first of all, you, you can't doubt Will's toughness. Uh, you know, that injury that he had the season-ending uh, surgery for last year, right. it came out that he was actually dealing with that most of the 2020 season. Uh, you know, so all of us that were sitting here wondering, has Will lost his confidence? You know, what's wrong with Lutz? Uh, is his range on? Well, it was none of the above. He was dealing with an injury. All right. Uh, 
I do find it interesting that the Saints told Mayer that they weren't going to retain him before, well before Will Lutz even announced that he's been medically cleared. So that tells me that they have a lot of confidence in uh, you know Lutz's recovery from that injury. Mm-hmm. And when he's healthy, as you pointed out, there's no better kicker in the league. I mean, you know, he all, all but guarantees this team points from you know just across midfield. Uh, you know, his, his range on kickoffs, which was a lost, uh, you know, a, a underrated aspect of the special teams unit, uh, you know, it, it sets the defense up for good field position. Uh, and there's no better kicker than Will Lutz in the clutch when you need a clutch uh, a kick a field goal in a game ending situation all right we're going to take a time out here we're going to continue the black and gold report with uh bob rose of the saints news network i always am interested in players on the final year of a contract um how motivated and how much better they play when the money is on the line we'll talk about some of those saints when we return after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 5th, 1975. Arthur Ashe becomes the first African-American to win Wimbledon as he beats countryman Jimmy Connors 6-1, 6-1, 5-7, 6-4. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. The Black and Gold Report, Saints News Network's Bob Rose. He joins us each and every Tuesday with all the knowledge and the input. All right, so we talked about some some guys coming off of injuries that are going to be key components for the Saints this year, I always like to talk about those guys who are in the last year of a contract because when the money's on the line, players just seem to play a whole lot better. And are the Saints willing to pay these players at the proper time? So, Bob, uh, let's start with center Eric McCoy. What do you think? I think McCoy is a big signing. Uh, you know, I realize, and we'll talk about him in a minute. I, I realize that a lot of fans are assuming, or at least want, the Saints to reach a deal sooner rather than later with Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I believe that this team is going to prioritize Eric McCoy first. A, we've seen them. We've seen them, uh, you know, stock heavily on both lines in recent seasons. Uh, you know, McCoy has developed into what my opinion is a Pro Bowl caliber center. Certainly one of the better ones in the league. Uh, you know, and we saw this offense struggle without him last year. I look for him to have a, another big year. Uh, you know, and he's key for the performance of that entire line because he makes the play calls. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if the Saints get a player locked up in, uh, in, in training camp, uh, one of these pending free agents, I believe it's going to be Eric McCoy. Uh, his base salary, $2.8 million in the final year of his rookie deal. The top earning NFL centers currently make north of 12 million per year. So it's a it's a significant upgrade in pay, but look, if he stays healthy and plays like he did uh in his first couple of years last year he was hurt for the first time, missed some games. Yeah. But uh, but prior to that, he he never came out. So if he's back to that form, they're going to have to pay him and I think he's like you said, I think he's the first one to to get a deal done cuz he's that significant. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, you know, and Ryan Ramchak is the best offensive lineman this team has. In my opinion, Eric McCoy is a is second, uh, and maybe not a distant second. I mean, he is that good, and you know, I, I I believe that the Saints recognize exactly that. Another one, a big season, both for he and for the Saints, Marcus Davenport. Saints exercise its fifth year option on Davenport in April of 2021. Seems like they're still waiting for him to reach his potential, which everybody thinks is massive. But when does potential become reality? That's the question with Marcus Davenport. Right now, potential needs to become reality yeah. right now. Uh, you know, the excuses for him are over. Uh, and you know, Davenport is coming off his best season by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. you know, we saw glimpses of that potential before, uh, but it really looked like he put it all together last year. Having said that, he still missed, what, six or seven games? Yes, because he of did. Injury? Uh, you know, if you're going to pay a defensive lineman, any player, top dollar, you need them available for at least three quarters, or, you know, a, upward north of three quarters of those football games. Uh, and, you know, Davenport just hasn't shown that, uh, you know, with Cam Jordan still playing at a high level, uh, you know, Peyton Turner uh, being a first round draft choice as recently as last year uh, and them having other good edge pieces in Carl Granderson and to know Passanio. You know, I love Marcus Davenport. I want to see him, uh, you know, remain a saint for a good long time uh but i think that the, this is where the team is going to just kind of wait and see what kind of yeah. season he has if he puts everything together then you can you know, at worst case scenario you can franchise tag davenport if you want to keep him okay. uh you know which will probably would probably give him about the yearly salary average of what a long-term extension would cost anyway okay. we saw them do exactly that kind of thing with marcus williams two years ago uh and i think that they're staring down the that same kind of barrel with marcus davenport in 2022 10 NFL defensive ends make at least 15 million annually. So um, a lot of money on the line for Davenport. That's why I like, I like the potential this year of him and him having a, another really good season, but he's got to stay healthy. Yes. Got to stay healthy. My goodness gracious. All right. You mentioned him earlier. Um, CJ Gardner Johnson, um, man, he's become a fan favorite. He is, he's fun to watch, obviously, and in terms of pure football, um, I know Gardner Johnson thinks he's one of the best slot defenders in the league. Do the Saints feel that way? And will they feel that way when it comes to contract negotiations? Jordy, I hope so. Uh, yeah, because everybody knows that you know Chauncey Gardner Johnson likes to talk on and off the football mm-hmm. field. Uh, you know, if this was the sport of hockey, he would be known as the agitator. Uh, you know, everything like, but lost in all that is how good a player he is. Uh, and yeah, you know, he keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never seen him cover the way he covered last year. Uh, we already talked about his versatility, not only earlier in today's show, but you know, seemingly all year we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, when he says he's one of the best, uh, the best slot co- corner in the game, uh, if there's many better than him, I can't name him off the top of my head. Uh, and he's an emotional leader of that defense. Uh, yeah, did you know that uh, the, the Saints were nine and three with Gardner Johnson in the lineup last year? Didn't win a game without him. 
Okay. Ooh, um, forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, he, he is a key to that defense. Uh, yeah, terrific in run support, man-to-man cover guy, great coverage awareness. Uh, I would love to see them lock him up long-term. Uh, and he's another guy. I think that if they're interested in doing so, the same stat is, they, need to, they would be wise to do it now rather than later because if he has himself another big season, he right. might price himself out of their market. He's very versatile, right? You mentioned he can cover multiple positions. He's not hesitant when it comes to blitzing, uh, mm-hmm. and his run support's good. So I'm with you. I I, I like it a lot. Um, your boy, your one of your guys, wide receiver Deontay Hardy, uh, formerly known as Deontay Harris. Uh, he's set to make about four million this season after signing a restricted free agent tender this offseason but he of course like anybody else wants a long-term deal with the team he didn't participate in the voluntary otas he's trying to make a statement but he's five six he's one of the nfl's shortest players um durability uh what do you do with him you're a big fan why don't you why don't you be his agent and tell me about deontay hardy i am a big fan uh, of deontay but deontay if you're listening now is not the time to make a statement by holding out. Uh, you know, the Saints have Michael Thomas back. They drafted Chris Olave. They brought in you know Jarvis Landry. Now, granted, Landry is only on a one-year deal, but still. Uh, yeah, and you're already going to ke- be competing for reps with Marquez Calloway and potentially Traquan Smith, along with a few you know, younger newcomers. Uh, Deontay, I don't. I have the utmost confidence in you as a wide receiver, and I think your career is going to be better in the long run playing in a deeper unit because it's going to limit your reps as a wide receiver. Uh, you know, it, doing so allows you to concentrate as a kick returner where you are, in my opinion, the league's best hands down. Okay. Uh, you know, it makes you a better weapon, a more effective weapon rather uh, by limiting your offensive reps. Uh, you know, it, if the saints, if you're going to sign with the saints, Deontay Hardy, you're going to have to take what's known as a hometown discount to do so, uh, yeah, because with the depth that this team has at wide receiver, they're not going to sign you to a top end deal. Uh, you you could roll the dice. Uh, you could roll the dice with this deep unit uh, and maybe have worse receiving numbers than you did a year ago and then right. hit the free agent market. Uh, but again, you're not doing yourself any favors that way. Can uh, Deontay Hardy, report to camp and do your job. Can he be on a team simply as a return specialist? Because last year when his role offensively expanded, his numbers in returns diminished greatly. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, he just doesn't have the – he's a tough kid, tough guy. Uh, You know, but – uh, it, toughness only gets you so far. Physics are still physics at the end of the day. And you're a five, six, 170 pound guy, you know, taking pounding on the offensive side, snap in and snap out. So you're going to run out of gas at some point. And while he played excellent at wide receiver, given the circumstances around him, you're right. That really did limit his, you know, re, uh, his effectiveness on special teams. Could he be a, a specific return specialist? Yes. Does he want to be? No. And that's the issue. And that's why he's holding out. You mentioned Jarvis Landry, um, came to the Saints in May, a very team-friendly, one-year, $3 million contract. It's got some performance bonuses that could push mm-hmm. it up to as high as $6 million. It seems like the incentive um, is there. Um, after a down year with the Browns in 21, he's betting on himself uh, to return to form in 2022 with some riches at the end of the rainbow, right? Um if he has that type of year and puts up those kind of numbers, 
would the Saints want to pay that dollar figure to keep him on a longer-term deal? I think a lot depends on two other players, Jordy. If Michael Thomas comes back to the form that we've expected to see from him, and right. if Chris Olave develops like most of us think that he will, uh, you know, then you know, to, to stay under the salary cap with so many top end players, uh, you know, you have to you have to know when to blink when you're at the poker table. Uh, and you know, I, I think that Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, if Thomas comes back as Michael Thomas and Alave you know, developed as expected, I just don't see the Saints paying a, a another wide receiver top dollar because you can't afford it with all the other talent that they have. Now, here's the catch. If Thomas is still limited and uh, Alave maybe develops slowly, then absolutely. You go to the negotiating table with Jarvis Landry, like yeah. you pointed out. Jarvis is not going to take another hometown discount uh, you know, to stay in Louisiana. Uh, but he's only, what, 29 years old. Uh, he takes great care of himself, and he's an extremely motivated athlete. So if you sign him as a top receiver, you're, you're making a smart move. I just don't think it fits in with the cards for the Saints beyond this year if the other receivers uh, are playing how, how we expect they will. With these weapons that the Saints have uh, at the wide receiver position and with Alvin Kamara seemingly certainly going to miss some time, does this, does this become a run, uh, throw first, throw second, throw third kind of a team? Or do you think they have somebody back there that they believe in that can get them and not get them yardage by running it and not having to become a one-dimensional throwing the ball kind of a team man if it if it breaks down that way and on paper it could you're right uh if it breaks down that way that's a dangerous proposition when you're talking about a quarterback that threw 30 interceptions just three years ago yeah uh do i think it's possible yeah but I think it's more possible that, you know, when Kamara is out you know, with his suspension, I think that the Saints will then they, they won't go past heavy. They, you know, we're not going to be talking air Coriel or those Mike Martz, uh, you know, Rams offenses of the early 2000s. But I think Pete Carmichael will then use the pass to set up the run. Okay. Uh, and then once the run is established uh, and you know, defenses have a hard time dealing with that balance, uh, yeah, then it sets up play action for Jameis Winston. Does that entail more Taysom Hill in the backfield then? Because he's he's a big time guy that can run. He's fast. Or do they believe in Mark Ingram? But Mark Ingram's on the you know he's getting up there. How, how many carries can he get? I don't think you ride Mark Ingram until the wheels fall off. Uh, yeah, because what if Kamara comes back from suspension and gets stinged up, and you need Ingram again? Right. So because of that, uh, yeah, do I think Mark can carry the load for a four or six game Alvin Kamara suspension? I do, uh, but he's not a twenty five carry no. twenty five carry per game guy anymore. Not year round. You're going to wear him out. Uh, so yeah, I think that Taysom Hill does get a lot of backfield reps in that situation, uh, and they'll line up in the Wildcat. Therefore, Taysom has got to be able to prove that he's occasionally going to be able to beat you downfield with his arm. Uh, But, yeah, they're going to rely on Taysom Taysom Hill's legs uh, to to maintain that running balance. That still, to me, is the most puzzling thing about the Saints this offseason is they didn't upgrade the running back position with the the knowledge, knowing that something was going to go down with Kamara. Um, And maybe they still will, right? There's still time. It, there is, uh, and I'm convinced that this team wants to see what they have 
out of Tony Jones, uh, out of Abram Smith, the undrafted rookie, and even out of Divino Zigbo, who's been in the year uh, league for three years, uh, but really has not gotten a lot of reps at running back. Uh, yeah, it, it, the Saints, and we've seen them bring in players at the end of training camp before, poaching other teams' cuts. I mean, heck, that's how they got pay some help. Right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it does give the uh, – not bringing in a veteran back before camp gives the opportunity for these younger guys to get reps. Uh, and, you know, the onus is on them to really show coaches that they are capable of carrying the load or at least being complementary pieces. And if they aren't, then you're going to see the Saints, you know, not only poach other teams' cuts, but you might even see a, a, a trade just before the start of the regular season. Makes perfect sense. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, you're the best, man. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, we look forward to Tuesdays, man. Take care. Thank you, my awesome friend. We'll talk soon. You got it. That's Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Um, Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball. You can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. And what a deal. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Well, all we have left to do is um, send some birthday wishes out there. And we'll do that when we return to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back. I want to thank my guest today, Christian Clark, talking about Zion, the Pelicans, and the deal they wrapped up. Blake Topmeyer, what's next for the SEC? What's next for the Big Ten in college football as the landscape continues to evolve and move? And then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with all things Saints. You can go back on demand, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and find those interviews later on. Um, with Bob Rose, we talked about uh, – uh, key players coming back off of injury and players in their final year of their contract, they always seem to play better that way, don't they? Yes. All right. If today, July 5th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with um, Huey Lewis. You know, Huey Lewis in the news. Huey is 72 years young today. And the one player in baseball I would go pay to see play, Shohei Otani is 28 years old today he is uh he is quite the show pitching hitting doing it all uh we'll be back tomorrow same time two to four same stations 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles michael huguenin will join us we'll talk get his thoughts on what's next in the sec um phil knight guy with Oregon says, well, you know what? We wouldn't mind joining the big 10, but if Notre Dame goes to the big 10, Hey, we'll go to the sec. Boom. All right. So we'll talk to him. We'll talk with Glenn West and all that James. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible until next time. I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty. My friends do everything you can to stay healthy. My friends, let's be kind to one another and uh, let's be happy. So long everybody. Mm-hmm.